Good morning, everybody. We're very excited to see you guys having a good time. Wasn't worship awesome this morning? They did a great job. Hey, we are in the middle of our series, Catching Smoke, right, where we're looking at finding purpose in life. And, and we've been looking through the book of Ecclesiastes as we do this. And so uh, if this is your first time here, the best way to follow along with that is if you go to the YouVersion Bible app, go to the More tab at the bottom, go to Events, find Refuge Church, you're going to find the verses, notes, Bible reading plans, connection card links, everything you would ever want and so much more ready for you right there. It really is the best way to follow along today and also a great way to revisit throughout the week. Uh, so to recap, the book of Ecclesiastes uh, was written by King Solomon. All right? It says King Solomon was the wisest, richest man to ever live. Uh, in today's dollar, he would be worth uh, 1.5 to 2.1 trillion dollars himself. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, everybody likes Teslas, all right? currently the world's wealthiest man, has a net worth of about 285 billion. So Elon, he's in the billions. Solomon, the richest, wisest man in the trillions. Solomon had everything you could ever imagine. All right, he had money, he had palaces, he had warriors, he had women's. Uh, we talked about it week one. He even had apes and peacocks, all right? Anything you could imagine, he had. And so it says that during his reign, silver was considered useless because gold was so plentiful. Like silver, that's second place. Only gold for me in my house. We get first place, all right? So that's, that's what he is. He is the richest, wisest man ever. And so there are a few phrases that he uses a few words that he uses over and over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And he's trying to paint a picture for us. The phrases are, he uses the word meaningless, uh, the phrase under the sun and chasing the wind. The word picture he's trying to paint here is that when we look at life under the sun, under the sun meaning the things we can literally see, taste, touch, smell, the things we can quantify, the abbreviations in front of your name, uh, the square footage of your house, the money in the bank, uh, the year car you drive, those types of things, things that you can quantify under the sun, those things are meaningless. They are like chasing the wind. And when we try to control those things, we try to subdue them, we try to find purpose in them, it's like trying to catch smoke. The harder we try to hold it all together, the more we're going to feel it slip through our fingers. So what we see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is God calling us to surrender so we can fully enjoy the gifts he has given us. So instead of trying to catch smoke, which is just going to lead to more frustration, what if we enjoyed the view and realized these are all gifts from God? Before we get into our new content today, let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for everybody that's here. My prayer is that your word... God, that the Bible would touch hearts, God, the spirit would move, and that people would be drawn closer to you. Help us to uh, honor you in this moment and throughout this day. And God, we ask you to do to move in a great and mighty way this morning. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so chapter one, Solomon lays out his big idea. It's really an upper. Everything is meaningless, right? Just like an upper, a good time, right? Uh, he shows that use, the uselessness of wisdom and how it's like chasing the wind because it doesn't matter how wise you are, guess what? At some point, you're gonna die, even if you're incredibly wise. In chapter two, he describes uh, pleasure and lays out how pleasure is meaningless. It's fleeting. It's not gonna give you fulfillment. And then he compares wisdom and foolishness. Is there really any difference of them in the big scheme of things? Uh, and there's not. He finishes chapter two, looking at finding meaning in work, finding meaning in your occupation. He says, this too is meaningless like chasing the wind. Today, in chapter three, we're gonna see two themes unpacked. The first one is, there is a time and a season for 
everything. There's a time for everything. And the second thing is there are just injustices that happen in life under the sun. Let's dive into chapter 3. Verse 1, it says this, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a a time to be born, a a time to die, a a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away. A time to search, a time to quit searching. A time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a time and a season for everything. We've all experienced this. Um, You know, if this is true that there is a time for everything, Uh, That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin means there's also a wrong time for everything. Anybody feel like that? Uh, I feel like me, especially in my my younger, more immature years, I definitely experienced the wrong side of of time, the other side of that coin. Uh, As a kid, I really enjoyed making people laugh. Um, Still do. And there was this period where um, when I got asked a question, uh, when someone asks you a question, they're looking for the answer, right? Uh, But what when I got a question, all I was thinking about was, how can I make this into a joke, right? Uh, the, the question was the setup, and I'm ready for the punchline. I'm ready for the joke, right? I'm thinking about how I can make this into something funny. That's all I was worried about. I'm not worried about getting them the information they want. I'm just worried about getting a laugh because people like to have a good time. Uh, for instance, uh, one time, whew, I got a speeding ticket uh, when I was in high school, um, I've only ever had two speeding tickets, uh, but my first one was kind of a doozy. Uh, that was my dad. He, he, he does uh, make an appearance in this story. Um, so <clears throat> I was on a, a double date uh, with my friend Jake and his girlfriend, and then my girlfriend at the time, this is in high school. Uh, to be honest, she's the prettiest girlfriend uh, I have ever had. Um, her name is Kelsey, and I've never had another girlfriend since, all right? So that wasn't weird. I was just bragging on my wife. All right, so hey, double date. Uh, the plan is dinner and a movie. Problem is, is I got this, like, single cab pickup, so we can't all fit in my truck. So, Mom, can I borrow your car for this double date? We're going to treat our ladies right, all right? We're going to go in the white trailblazer, all right? Fancy. Uh, so I get the trailblazer, uh, and we are going on the turnpike, um, Going to go to Cheeseburgers in Paradise, which I don't even think is around anymore. I think it's totally gone. Uh, and on the turnpike, I was really um, <clears throat> exploring the capabilities of the vehicle. Um, and so we were going, we were going fast, uh, triple digits. Uh, and anyways, I get caught going 96 and a 70, 26 miles over the speed limit. Uh, I have this in my notes, but I don't need to look at this. This number is burned into my soul. It was a $276.50 ticket. Uh, the judge was about to give me community service, and I was like, yes, my boss will write this off at work. And my dad goes, your honor, if I may. Uh, he's been saving up money, and I think he would like to pay for this himself. And I was so mad at my dad. I was like, come on. I was getting ready to buy an Xbox. Um, but anyways, uh, because it was such a big ticket, obviously, like I just said, we went to court. I saw the judge. And at one point, the judge said something. I don't remember what it was, but it sparked the thought in my mind um, Thank God I only got a ticket for going 96. All right. 
And so I, I think that in myself, uh, I got that, again, I'm trying to, funny, what's funny? It's funny that I only got a ticket for 96. Thank you, thank you, God. And so that thought makes me kind of smirk. Uh, some, I don't know, 17, 18-year-old kids smirking in the courtroom. The judge notices, asks what I'm thinking. My filter, not being fully developed, I let out, uh, I'm grateful it was only for 96. And that came out. The judge did not find that funny. He did not find that funny. All right. There is a time and a season for everything. There is also a wrong time and a wrong season for everything. That was the wrong time. Uh, if you're like me, you've probably experienced moments where something similar like that has happened to you. You said something at the wrong time. It was the wrong moment. It backfired. Uh, so that's the negative side of that coin. But the positive side is there is a right time and a right season for everything. Um, and we've probably all felt that as well. Have you ever witnessed something, something small happen, but it makes like a disproportionately positive impact in a situation? Um, anybody here shop at Aldi? Any people like Aldi? Okay, some of you guys. Um, at Aldi, they're really smart. So instead of hiring uh, cart attendants, cart pushers, uh, what do you have? You got to have your Aldi, got to have your Aldi quarter because you got to put that quarter in there to get your shopping cart out. And then because you return it because you want that quarterback, they don't have to pay people to keep the carts. You just, it's one quarter, right? It's 25 cents, 25 cents. Um, and so uh, Kelsey and I, our whole family was at Aldi. Uh, we put Kelsey's Aldi quarter in. And uh, I'm not the ma- primary shopper, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking about getting the quarter back so she has her Aldi quarter. But one time we go in, get everything loaded up, walking back to the car, I walk in the cart back, a lady comes up and she needs a cart. And I'm just like, here you go. I'm like, it's a cart. Now, normally, you guys who are regulars at Aldi, they'll do the give you a quarter, and it's like, pleasure doing business. Like, you made the swap. They gave you the quarter. I just gave her the cart. I didn't think anything of it. Um, and you would have thought that she won the lottery. She could not believe that I just gave her the cart. Like, and to be honest, I'm over here going, I got a screaming child because he didn't get a toy. I'm just trying to get out of here. You just take the cart. I'm trying to go. All right? And she, she was in disbelief. All right? She was extremely blown away by the generosity that was being shown. It's a quarter, 25 cents. I'd be willing to bet. I don't know what type of day she had, but it really seemed like she needed a win. And getting that 25-cent blessing made her day. A little thing. A quarter, all right? You could go find that in the Walmart parking lot. But that quarter made her day. She went in smiling because she had a free shopping cart at Aldi. A little thing. There is a right time and a right season for everything. And I think that sometimes we tend to forget that. Uh, like, like if we knew what someone was going through, uh, it can be difficult. It's, it's difficult to know what people are going through. We don't always know the context of their situation. We don't always know the struggles that they're facing um, and if we don't know, it can be hard to, to truly to care, to know how to, to make an impact, to know how to do anything. I've got a quote here. It's from a professor. Her name is Heather Thompson Day. And she said this. Uh, she tweeted this. I had a student who once entered uh, college with a 1.2 GPA. 1.2 GPA through high school. That's not great, right? Like 1.2. Did you even go to class? All right. She finished with honors and a full ride to her next school. She was the same exact person she was in high school. Only difference was that in college, for the first time in her life, she had her own bed. 1.2 GPA in high school, 
finishes with honors and a full ride. One thing changed. She had a bed that was her own. It'd be very easy to look, say, 1.2, GPA. This is not a smart person. She's, she's kind of she's dumb, right, to make a snap judgment based off of these numbers, based on what you can see at the surface. No, actually, she just wasn't getting the care, the, the things that she needs, the necessities of life. And I think, unfortunately, we make the same mistake with the people that, are, that we encounter every day. Uh, when you notice someone who's making a scene uh, to something, right, they are arguing with the cashier over a 25-cent coupon, uh, or maybe there are no to little patience with a new waiter, um, which seems to be like kind of the, the standard right now. There's a lot of new waiters. Uh, but I'd be willing to bet when you see someone who's having a strong reaction, there is a lot going on underneath the surface, a lot going on underneath the surface. And instead of responding to their behavior in that, that same way, when they get riled up, what do you do? You get riled up and it just escalates the situation. What would it look like if we were able to be as generous as possible to them? I don't mean by giving them money, uh, although that might be the case in some situations, uh, but by being as generous as possible and assuming the best in that person. When someone's responding poorly, maybe we just want to say, I, I feel like they had a bad day, and getting some grace right now would make a much bigger impact than me just giving them some law and some judgment. There is a right time and a right season for everything. And most of us, we're like ducks moving on the water. Right? On the surface, we look cool, calm, and collected, put together, smooth. But underneath that surface, our legs are going as fast as we can to make sure that we look good up here. Where people can see us, we want to keep everything moving. We want to look good. I don't know what kind of season you're in right now. I bet in a room like this, there are some of you, you guys are in seasons of, of some of those lists that said in the Ecclesiastes 3. Uh, some of y'all are in seasons of dancing, all right? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Some of y'all got two left feet. But some of y'all are seasons of dancing, of harvest, of abundance. And, and there are others, I would guarantee, in this room who are in a season of, of grief, grieving, a season of searching, a season of, of crying, mourning. And I just want to pause right now and just tell you, whatever season you're in, it is just that. It's a season. It will pass. Now, when you hear that, please don't misunderstand me. I do not want to diminish in any way that life can be difficult. Life can be a challenge. But the challenging season you're in, it will pass. God can redeem the story that you find yourself in. There's a time and a season for everything. Let's hop down to verse 9, chapter 3. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. That means those seasons that we're in, Whatever it is, a season of dancing, a season of mourning, a season of searching, a season of not searching. He's made everything beautiful for its own time. There's going to be a beginning and there's going to be an end. It says he planted eternity in the human heart. And I, I love this last verse. Why do those seasons that we're in, we can, we can know that intellectually. This season's going to come to an end. It's going to be over. But those seasons can really, really hurt. We can feel the pain there. And, and why is that? One reason those hurts hurt so bad, it's not the only reason, but one reason we're in a challenging season is because we cannot see the whole scope of God's work. Did you catch that in that verse? 
says he sees the whole, he sees the whole scope. He sees everything. And there are times in our lives where what we see with our eyes is it, it, this is a setback. This is a distraction. This is a detour. This is what I don't want is actually God repositioning us for a setup. He's putting us in the right spot. We can't always see what God is doing. There is one thing we can always do, and that's have faith. Faith. Faith that he's a good God, that he loves us. Not that he loves us. He loves you. Each and every person in here, he loves you. The book of Romans makes it really clear that God is honored not by what we know, not by what we say, but God is honored by our faith. By our faith. We can trust him that he will make everything beautiful in its time. In its time. And now, here's the deal. Our timeline typically does not align with his timeline. That's not how it usually goes. And I'm so thankful that he makes my timeline bend to his. Because guess what? I only see a small portion of this picture. I only see what I can see with my own two eyes. I only see under the sun what's in front of me. I can only see what's happening right here. God sees everything. All right, let's skip down to verse 16. We're going to kind of shift gears. He's, he's not going to, Psalm is not going to talk about the time and the season that we're in. He's going to talk about some of the injustices that occur in life. Verse 16. I also noticed that under the sun there is, an evil, there is evil in the courtroom. Yes, even the courts of law are corrupt. Now pause for just a second. Does that sound like an ancient world or does that sound like today? Yeah, okay. Uh, last week I read about a gentleman. Uh, he was in prison for six months before he was tried. And at trial he was found out to be innocent. Say what now? That's insane. It's wild how as much as our world looks nothing like it did in Solomon's day, uh, truly, uh, things really haven't changed all that much. He told us that in chapter 1. Next, Solomon tells us a truth uh, that some might sound uh, almost like, it almost might sound like a threat, uh, but to those who know Jesus, it's actually a comfort. Verse 17 says this, I said to myself, in due season, God will judge everyone both good and bad, for all their deeds. Although our world is filled with injustices and oppression, we can take hope in the fact there will be a time and there will be a season for God to judge everyone, the good and the bad, for all that they have done. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you first hear that, it might be like, ooh, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know I want that. But for those who have a relationship with Jesus, we have nothing to fear. Because the Bible is clear that when God judges us, he sees Jesus, his perfect son, and what he did for us on the cross. We have nothing to fear. We have right standing with God, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. And he did what, for us what we could not do for ourselves. Verse 18 says this, I also thought about the human condition. How God proves to people that they are like animals. You're an animal, right? For people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless. Both go to the same place. They came from the dust and they return to the dust. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes into the earth? 
who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down to the earth? I want to point out something right here. Solomon's right on the money. Um, we can't prove that we get to go to heaven. Right? There's, no, uh, there's no science that proves that. Right, science being something that's observable, repeatable, testable. Anybody remember third grade? Like it's empirical science, right? It's observable, repeatable, testable. There's no science, there's no formula that we can point out that proves that we get to go to heaven through Jesus. Now, now hear me out. Please. I am not against science. I actually think that the Bible and science work together in a lot of ways. But here's the deal. I'm going to go back to what we talked about. God is not honored by science, he does not respond to science. There's not a formula that thrusts God into action. There is, however, faith. And the Bible is very clear. God is honored by faith. He does respond to our faith. Our prayers are offered in faith, and that can thrust God into action. Romans 5.2 says this, because of our knowledge, no, because of our ability to love others, no, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Faith is something that you can't see. It's not tangible. It's not under the sun. We can't taste, see, smell, touch it. It's faith. Hebrews 11 says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Let's jump back to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 21. We're going to get down to 22, 22-2. I just said 2-2. Two, two. All right. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That is our lot in life. And no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. To be happy in your work, that is your lot in life because no one's gonna bring you back afterwards to see what happens. There's other translations that uh, instead of saying that is our lot in life, they say accept your lot in life. Accept, not with an A, like accept it, all right? Accept your lot in life. And I really think that's a great way of looking at it. Instead of being mad, instead of being frustrated with the life that you have, accept it. It's a gift that's been given to you. Don't run away from the work that you feel called to do. I, to be completely honest with you guys, I have um, felt a pull to be a pastor kind of, kind of always. Uh, I've always felt a pull, a call to be a pastor, like the pastor of a church. Um, but it has just felt risky, scary, intimidating. It seems a lot safer <laughs> It would have been a lot easier, uh, a lot more comfortable to just be a pastor at a church than to be the pastor of a church. Um, you guys feel me with that? And so I had to come to a point where I had to accept my lot in life that God has put something in me that I need to be obedient to do. And it's going to be scary and it's going to be intimidating and it is going to make me uncomfortable. And my faith has grown because of that. And that's what God wants. He wants our faith to increase. And I believe that God has given us vocational callings that, that many of us, we can either run away from or we can run to. Now, for you guys, I don't necessarily mean pastoral ministry or anything like that, but that calling could be different for each and every one of you. 
I think God wants some of you guys to be business owners and to make an impact in the community that way. So, so please don't hear me saying you got to work at a church to be serving God. That's not what I'm doing. But God has placed something in each and every one of you that he wants you to do. And I think a lot of us, we let that fear, we let that intimidation, we let that risk, we, let our, uh, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We let that keep us from being faith-filled and stepping out and doing what we feel like God has called us to do. Take that leap. It's a leap of faith, and faith is what honors God. God will be honored, and I promise you, he won't let you down. You can take what he says to the bank every time. We're going to hop back up to verse 12 and see just how he kind of ties all these together uh, perfectly. Verse 12, so I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor. For these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before. And it will happen again in the future. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. Can I give you the uh, authorized Logan Key version of that, the paraphrase? Uh, here we go. Nothing is better than being happy and enjoying life. Eat, drink, and enjoy the labors of your work. They're a gift from God. God wants your respect. He deserves it. You can't add or take away from what he does. You can't. It sounds really familiar to last week's passage where we ended, where it was enjoy a good meal and go have a good drink. Some of you guys went and had Mexican food and tagged us on Facebook. I was a little jealous, okay? That's what we want, though. Uh, but today, today I want to land the plane uh, the same way we took off. I'm talking about surrender. And instead of trying to, to catch smoke, to keep it in our hands, uh, we can enjoy life if we'll surrender control and trust God. And I want to dig a little deeper on that today. It's not about the meal you eat, although it's going to help me if it's some good Mexican food, okay? It's not about that meal. It's not about the drink that you're drinking. It's about your posture. It's about the way you're positioned. Uh, humanity, we tend to do a really good job of focusing on the thing. Uh, we had a good meal once. We want to have it again. I talked last week about how I went and had pho, and it hit the spot two weeks ago. Went and had pho this week, and it was good, but it wasn't like, mm, you know what I'm saying? It was just, it was just good. Uh, and maybe that was my posture. Uh, maybe I was just trying to show it to some friends that were with us. Like, hey, this is really good. Uh, but anyways, it didn't always deliver because it's not about the thing. It's about the posture. That's what God is getting at here. Uh, and so I just want to share an example of that in my life. Uh, I've got a spiritual habit. A spiritual habit something that you do to intentionally draw closer to Jesus. And one of mine that I do is I have a prayer journal. And I write up my wor prayers uh, word for word. And it helps me focus, and it gives me something uh, that I can look back on, and I can honestly say it really fuels my faith because I can see how God has just taken care of, and he's provided, and he's answered all these prayers. Uh, it really helps me. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer. It was pretty bad, and uh, eventually cancer won the battle. Uh, but now my grandma's with Jesus. She knew Jesus, and now she knows him even better than she did while she was here on this earth. Uh, but, but here's what I want to talk about. There was a day where she, she wasn't doing well. I was praying for her in my prayer journal. Uh, as far as I, I was saying the right things, I was writing down, God, if this is your will, we heal her. 
and just trying to, to say the, the correct, the technical right response. You guys ever felt that? Like you want to do the right thing? And uh, as, I, as I finished uh, writing out my prayer journal, I just kind of sat there. I kind of just, I don't want to rush through it. I just want to rest in that moment. And uh, I'm sitting there. House is quiet. Nothing's going on. Got my cup of coffee. Having a good time. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just tapped me on the head. I was like, why does your jaw hurt? Well, my jaw was hurting because that whole morning as I'm praying, my teeth are just clenched because although I knew the right words to say, my body was like, God, I don't want to lose someone I love. And I'm holding on to it. I'm saying I'm surrendering, but I'm actually not. I'm clenched. I'm tight because I just can't release. I can't surrender. My words might have said, God, I trust you. But my heart, my, 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 my posture was, God, don't you take someone away from my family. I love her. The truth is, the harder you try to hold on to something, the more you're going to feel it just slip through your fingers. And here's why surrender is such important, an important act to God. Because surrender, when things aren't going well, when things are going well, it's like, God, I trust you. With open hands, with the difficult situations of life, and say, God, I don't enjoy this. In fact, I hate it. There's a, there's a time and a season for it. I don't like the situation. I don't like what I'm in. This hurts. But I trust you. Not with clenched teeth, God, I trust you. But truly, with open hands to say, God, I trust you. I don't know uh, what time, what season you're in today. If you're in an uplifting, dancing, abundant season, a season of harvest, would you be brave enough to say, God, I'll give all this to you because I trust you. I just want to surrender. Whatever you want me to do with this, I want to do it. Maybe you're here and you're in a, a difficult season of life, a trying season. Would you be filled with faith and boldly proclaim, God, I surrender all of this, my hurt, my pain, this heartache, I trust you with it. I trust you with my financial problems. I trust you with my family problems. I trust you. And here's the beauty of how God works. It does not matter what type of season you are in. God wants you to be full of faith and to trust him. Trust him with everything in your life. Not just the little things, but the big things too. It's possible you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And in Jesus' own words, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I think depending on the posture that we have to that verse, it might sound like he is a bouncer trying to keep people away from God, trying to keep people out of heaven. But can I tell you, friends, it's actually the exact opposite. He's sitting there with an outstretched hand ready to pick you up. If you'll just open your hand and receive the gift he has for you, he wants to pull you up. He wants to be with you. Let's pray.